Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. All right. Generosity is the theme of the night. and So the first thing I've got there is a definition of generous. Definition of generous. And generous means that you're willing to give especially more than usual or expected. And that's kind of a a Merriam-Webster type definition, not really a biblical definition, but but the same applies. Um, I tried to look, because the the key word there is give, that's the verb there is give. And I tried to look in the Bible, how many times is generosity or giving mentioned? Um, And it's a bit challenging um, only because generous is listed numerous times, and depending on your translation, giving is lifted, listed numerous times. Um, but there's somewhere between 1,400 and 2,000 times giving and generosity are listed in the Bible, just depending on the translation and how they use the term and the words. So, so generous giving or generosity is the willingness to give, especially like an exuberant amount right? You can be, be willing to give, right? I'll, I'll give 20. 20 won't hurt me. I'm okay. But, but when that same need or desire is there and you're like, you know what? They're only asking $20 for this book, but I'm going to send them 100, right? Um, and you guys have probably seen stuff, um, especially on, on, uh, where people are selling the books or, or the, the, the CDs or DVDs or whatever for um, some course or some class or some uh, um, pamphlet or whatever that, that especially around churches that, that they produce, they'll say, for a gift of $20, we'll send you this book, right? Um, now, if you send them $100, you are still getting the same book, right? But you're being generous in your giving. You're giving above and beyond what they are expected or what they have set kind of as that typical amount. And that's what it means to be generous is going above and beyond. The verb there is give, now, in order to give something, there's two criteria that you must have in order to give. And the first one is, you must first of all have it. Whatever you're giving, you must first of all have it. Um, now, whether that's it's your possession, your skill, your time, you must first possess something that you can give away. Okay, and then the second one is that you have got to be able to Give that away or let someone else have it and not expect anything in return. Now, when you go to the store, right, you can give the cashier $20 and they bag up your groceries and give it to you, and that's an exchange. Giving doesn't involve an exchange. Giving is you releasing that to this other person with no expectation that you're going to exchange and get anything back. Okay? So, what type of things do you have or possess that you can give? You see, I've I've left some blanks there. What did you say, Shay? Time, yes. Money, yes. Possession, yes. Love, yes. Help, okay, help, yep. 
about wisdom. Wisdom, yeah. Any kind of teaching, you're, you're imparting that wisdom, right? Counsel. All right, a couple other ones I had on here is attention. Like especially you give that to your kids or your friend's kids or whatever. They want to show you about this wonderful rock they just found and you just spend time and give them the attention and look at how special this rock is, right? So you can give your attention and then I also included affection. Okay, affection. All right, you can love on someone, you can hug someone when they're just... You know, um, and, I, and I can't help but think of Karen and the loss in her family. And sometimes they just need a hug. Sometimes they just need someone there just to, to know they're not alone, right? And you can, you can shower some of that love and affection on them. So, so that's what, what giving is. And so those are some of the things you can give. Now, in church, when you mention giving, what does everyone think of? Money, of course. Um, and, and so um, what's one of the least... Uh, comfortable subjects in church. Tithing, okay. That's a little little more narrow than I was looking for, but I was looking for money, right? Um, because, you know, people have a an attachment to money. People have had to go out and work and struggle and, you know, to get what they've got. Um, and yes, money is one of those things that we can give away, and certainly that's something that we regularly give away, uh, especially as it comes to church, to charities, you know, those kind of things. So that will certainly come up, but certainly there are many other things that you can also give away. Uh, probably everyone in here at some point or another has taken clothes to Goodwill, right? Has taken, you know, chairs or furniture or, you know, that computer that doesn't get used, right? You, you've taken those possessions that, that you've more, uh, more likely than not you have used to the extent that you can't use them anymore, but they're not just garbage that you can throw away, Right? that someone can get some good use out of it, and so you would donate those and give those things, okay? Um, so, so those are all things that you can give, and those are all things that you can be generous with, okay? Um, just a personal story, um, and I was, hi. Um, personal story is, um, I think, Becky now, I think twice, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think twice we've managed to give cars away. Right? I can't think of the first one. I can think of the second, but I can't think of the first one. Um, and, and you know what? It, it was one of those where, um, where neither one of them were new cars. Um, you know, we, we um, long time ago, we, we went through the phase where, where we were young and we didn't mind having car payments and we bought the new car and that kind of thing. Um, and three years into that, um, we were driving our used car and wondering why we still had this high payment on it, right? Um, so, so we, we learned early on that, that we can get by with used cars, and, and we have made that switch and, and gotten rid of a lot of those payments and things. Um, but we have, at some point, taken two of our vehicles and given those away. Uh, matter of fact, one of them, we actually paid the taxes and the transfer and everything, so the people that are receiving it had nothing out of pocket. Um, and, and it's a great thing to do that, because, you know, the, the, uh, both times... Um, and I think I just remember the first one. Um, but both times, um, it was going to a family that, that needed the transportation, that were, were just in a, in a situation where they needed a little help, or, or certainly, I can't even say need necessarily, but, but, um, but we saw the opportunity to bless somebody with that 
that would that would help them, right? Instead of taking two cars everywhere they went, they could all pile in one, right? Um, so uh, so we're fortunate that we've been able to do that. Um, and I've heard stories. Um, uh, oh, what's the fellow's name? Uh, Becky, help me. Robert Morris. Robert Morris. Um, if you've not read his book, A Blessed Life, that's a really good one to read. Um, he has made a habit out of giving, um, and he tells this story, and uh, and it just I just wept when I heard it. But he tells the story about um, he was in church and he was sharing. Um, he says every three years he goes through this cycle where he he spends time and he goes through you know the giving message and that kind of thing. And part of that he tells the story about this gentleman that that came to church, uh, came to their church, and how this gentleman would carry around hundred dollar bills in his pocket. And when the Lord led him to somebody, he would give those $100 bills away. And he tells the story about one morning, there was a, a lady that had come to church, and she was not a regular giver, um, and um, she had made the decision that, that she was going to tithe, um, or she was going to give. Whatever it was, um, she gave $120. And for her, at that point in her life, was a lot of money. And she didn't, didn't know how she was going to make it to the end of, end of the month, how she was going to pay her bills and that kind of thing. And he tells this story about this gentleman that that same day, um, as, as the, the church dismisses and, and, and things are, are uh, people are leaving, going home, that this gentleman approaches this woman in the parking lot and says, I feel like the Lord led me to give you not just this $100 that he normally does, but also this $20. And so within, literally within minutes, God had returned that to her through this gentleman. And so he shares this in service, and he gets home, and his daughter approaches him. It's going to get me again. His daughter approaches him and says, that story you shared in church today uh, about the man that gives away $100 bills, he says, Yes. And he says, that's you, isn't it, Dad? He says, yes, darling, it's me. And, and what a compliment it is when she says, I want to be like you. Um, and so Robert Morris um, has a, uh, has made a lifestyle out of giving. Um, and there was, a, there was another preacher, I don't even know what his name was. I don't know, Becky, if you remember who that fellow was that I was watching last night. Um, yeah, Saddle Rick Warren. Rick Warren, and I think that video was about four years old, but he was saying that Rick Warren gives away 91% of his income. Um, obviously, he's written a lot of books and, and that kind of thing, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't stay in his hand. You know, and again, that's that's a lifestyle of giving. It's a lifestyle of of you know looking at the the gift that God has put in your hand and and saying, you know, it doesn't need to stop here. What good can I do with it, right? And finding a place for it. So that's all. That's all generosity. That's all giving. Uh, kind of getting back to my notes here. What is the opposite of generosity? Stingy. Okay, that's a good word. Greedy, it's a good word, not the one I'm looking for, but anybody else? How about selfishness? 
See, much like generosity is, a, is an attitude or a uh, disposition, selfishness is that same disposition. And you could say greedy as well, I suppose, in that case. But selfishness, definition of selfishness, is sinking one's own advantage, pleasure, or well-being without regard to others. So it, 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 it is, you know, I know you don't have it, but I do, and that's too bad, right? Um, I'd help you out, but then I wouldn't have it anymore. Um, and, and so that's selfishness, and that's the opposite of generosity is selfishness. And the difference is where you focus your attention. So if you look at generosity, the, the attention uh, is focused in generos- generosity outwards. It's focused on, on what can I do for you, right? It's focused on, on how I get things to you, right? While selfishness is inward focused. What can I do for me? How do I keep me preserved? How do I benefit me? And so it's you focused versus me focused. Okay, you focused versus me focused. Now, here's a question I think you know the answer to. Does generosity depend on prosperity? In other words, do you have to be loaded in order to be generous? Of course not. Of course not. Now, let's change that question around. If you're loaded, does that necessarily make you generous? No. No. So, um, so, no. So, generosity does not depend on prosperity. Um, this reminded me of a video I once saw, um, fairly recent, that this group on YouTube does experiments with homeless people on the street. Not like scientific experiments, trying to get them to grow an extra leg or whatever. But, but they'll like drop, walk by and drop, you know, $10 or whatever. And just to see what the homeless person is going to do. Are they going to pick it up and try to return it? Are they going to put it in their pocket or whatever? Um, and then, I don't know if, if they go down the street and turn around and come back and, like, they're looking for it or whatever. But what they have found is that frequently the homeless person who, who literally has nothing, right, all their possessions are, are right there on their back in their little spot, whatever, will frequently get up, stop the person, and say, hey, you dropped this. Um, and when they do that, they turn around and give it right back to them. And so they, they were following this one guy after they had given this money back to him. And he goes into this shop, and he gets, um, he gets a sandwich or whatever at the shop. And he comes out, and he takes one for himself, and he walks down the street around the corner to another fellow and gives a sandwich to this other fellow. So here the guy is with, with literally nothing. And yet, and yet he takes this, this moment where he's got $10, which maybe that gets him you know, two days, two meals, whatever, and he takes the time to not only, not only feed himself, but to also go and find someone else that's in the same situation and feed this other person as well. And so he gave half of that away. When, when, you, know, when you can look at it and say that, that he didn't have it to give away. You know what I'm saying? And so that, that's, there's just a generosity in that um, that, that he, he had, this poor fellow had on the streets. So uh, scripture here, 1 Timothy 6. Uh, starting in verse 17, um, and this talks about the responsibility of those um, who who have been prosperous, 
It says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Now, I don't know how many of y'all got, got accounts and got, got uh, stuff in the stock market and that kind of stuff. How reliable is that from day to day, right? It's, it's a roller coaster up and down and up and down and up and down. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Isn't it nice that God thinks about our enjoyment? He thinks about our happiness and he thinks about our, our uh, life here and doesn't want us to just be a constant struggle. Now, sometimes he uses those tests and those trials to shape us, to teach us, to grow us. But isn't it nice to know that God also goes, hey, I'm going to just throw him, you know, some of this, uh, 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 some of these blessings just because they, they need to enjoy it. They need to laugh a little bit or whatever. Um, verse 18, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And by doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure uh, as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. And so there's, there's a responsibility they talk about here for those that, that are rich to be givers. Um, and, and you and I both know that that isn't the case and that doesn't happen all the time. Um, but... Biblically, there's a thing here that says, you know what, if you're rich, recognize where it came from. Recognize the blessing on your life and be ready to share those things. Um, and likewise, the contrasting story here out of Mark 12 is the, the widow's mites, the widow's offering, where Jesus um, is in the synagogue and he's watching people come up to the offering, receptacle, whatever that was, and, and he sees people putting in their offering out of their abundance and, and he sees people putting in that, that $20 for the book, you know, that I was talking about earlier. And he sees this old widow woman come up and put in these two mites, these two coins, and that's all she had. And yet he looks at her and says, she gave so much, right? It wasn't the amount, but it's, it's what that meant to her, right? And so there, there's a connection there and there's there's a relevance there that regardless of your income regardless of of how you've prospered regardless of the blessing on your life that you recognize where it came from and in proportion you should be giving okay so generosity is a condition of the heart not a condition of the wallet okay generosity is a condition of the heart not a condition of the wallet So the other scripture that comes to mind is Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, one of the guys, uh, as, a, and as an example of this, said, go and buy a stock. Put some treasure in stock and see if you don't pay a lot of attention to what that stock is doing. Right? So, so where your treasure is, that stock, that's where your heart's going to be. Your heart's going to be watching that thing, and it's going to be paying attention to that thing. And likewise... You know, if you go and take your time and you mentor somebody and you are, you are training like an apprentice or, or, or nowadays you're mentoring them and you're bringing them up and you're coaching them and you're talking about future careers and you're talking about what training, those things, those, those, those people, how they need to grow professionally to move to that next level, don't you know that you're going to be invested in those people and you are going to stay connected with those people because you've spent time and attention and effort in order to grow those people. And I would say for us in this house, that's one of those things that we want to invest in, right? We take time 
to, to with our leaders to go over leadership skills, to empower them, to, to give them the ability to make their own decisions and to, to grow with that. And at every step along the way, we also want to come along beside them and go, do you feel comfortable, right? What do you need from us? How can we help you, right? Because our interest, and really everyone, whether you're in leadership or not, is your growth. That, that's our job here is to, is to get you to grow, is to encourage your growth, whether that's, that's in the word, whether that's in your, in your gifts and your talents, your skills, whatever. Our objective is to, is to raise you up, is to push you to, to grow in those things. Because the, as you grow in that skill, you grow in that talent that the Lord has given you, you're a greater asset for the kingdom. Um, I can't help but, but um, uh, look at Katie here. Katie, um, I don't know if you're still going over there or not, um, but for the first year and a half, uh, made regular trips to Kalamazoo to meet with a vocal coach. Are you still doing that or no? So meeting with a vocal coach to allow her to, to really find her voice and build her confidence. And I don't think anyone will argue with me that, that she is awesome. She is awesome. And, and Katie, I'm, I'm doting on you a little bit, but I love it. I love to hear you sing. I love to hear you sing. Because, you know, um, we, we've got to see Katie grow. We've got to see her grow in her confidence. I love it when she gets up there and she just starts, um, um, term is, is escaping me. Um, it's where you just speak and edify the Lord. Um, nope, what's exhorting? Thank you. And she's brilliant at the same time. Isn't it amazing? What a catch she is. Um, I love you, Kate. Um, <laughs> but, but we're invested in Katie, right? As we are many of you in this room. So, so we're invested in you. So we, we have given time, attention, dollars, whatever, right? And we're invested in the, in the folks and the family in this house, and we want to see you grow and do well. Okay, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 um, talks a lot about giving. So if you want to write that down, that's a good one to go back and read through. It's Paul talking to the Corinthian church about a gift that they're preparing to give to the church in Jerusalem. And that's a really good, good book to read through. Um, I will cover much of it here tonight um, in bits and pieces, but read through that when you have a chance. All right, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. It says, you must each decide in your own heart how much to give, and don't be reluctantly or, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So, so the onus here and the principle here is that don't let someone pressure you into giving, right, in church. Are we good? We all caught up? Okay, where you at? Okay. All right. So don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. The idea here is that, that if, if you feel pressured into giving, that you're going to regret it later. And that's not what God wants. God wants you to examine your heart, and he wants to get into your heart that giving is part of his nature. And in growing and becoming like God, and you can take on that nature, then giving becomes a joy. Giving becomes something that you can do cheerfully, right? Because you're, you're investing. 
time, attention, money, whatever, you are investing in growing God's kingdom. Okay? So God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver because it honors God and it reflects his nature. Giving expresses love. Generous giving expresses generous love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. And what did he give? His only begotten son. So that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, when God loved extravagantly, he gave extravagantly. And that was a generous gift from God. And when you give generously like God and show love to one another like God, it shows that your heart is like God's and that you're becoming more like him. So the interesting thing here that as you become more like God, as you, as you assume that nature, take on that nature of God within you, the desire to give increases. And as you give, you become more like God. And it's this ever, uh, it's like accelerating cycle of you get more God-like, you give more. You give more, you become more God-like. And it's this cycle of blessing that you get into that, that giving just comes naturally to you. It doesn't, you know, when, when, when we were younger and the money didn't, uh, we had more month than money, um, giving was hard, right? Because, because you looked at giving and you looked through the lens of, well, I can pay that bill this month um, or I can give at church, right? And, and, and if you're like Becky and I, we, we had to start somewhere, Right, and we made up our mind that we we're going to start somewhere. And I can't tell you exactly what our decision was, but but we didn't pay the whole tithe, right? But we were giving something. I'm looking for Becky to nod or something here. She, did we? I don't remember. I, I felt like I, I felt like we started in stages, but maybe it was just me. <laughs> sure. I'll be honest. Um, we we struggled to find like our church for us for a, a lot of years when we moved to Tennessee. And it was actually in a Bible study. Um, I, uh, the teacher in the class, she talked about giving and how um, a statement that she made or whatever it was that she said prompted my spirit. And it was essentially um, God saying, I'll do more with your 90% than you can do with your 100%. And so we just started trust in him to do more with that. And so we started, you know, with the tithe with 10% um, out of that and just did it, you know, just did it. I think that's a good thing. He'll do more with your 90 than you can do with your 100. Yeah, our pastor in, in Tennessee used to say, you know, um, you do more with a blessed 90% than you can do with 100% that's not blessed, right? Which is a great segue to the next point. So what else happens when you give? God multiplies the gift. So again, from 2 Corinthians 9, 
this time verse 6, so we backed up one. And again, this is Paul talking to the church. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, I can't read that without thinking of the, the parable of the sower, right? And if you think about it, the soil has to be good, and the seed falls on the good soil. And then what does it say about that seed? You get a return of 30, 60, 90, 100 times, right? The seed multiplies. When you, when you plant that seed, when you make that investment, when you, when you pay that tithe, when you give that offering, God looks at that as a seed and says, okay, how can I multiply this? And he will, he will bless it, and it will, it will be multiplied. So verse 8, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So where do we see an example of this? Where do we see an example where somebody gave, God blessed it, and it was more than they needed? Y'all remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? Right? So, so you have to, to think about that story. So here Jesus is preaching. His disciples are there, and, he, and they're, I'm sure it's, it's been all day. Um, they're looking around. People are getting a little fidgety, and they're like, um, you know, we're, we're kind of out on the countryside. There, there's, not a, there's not a whole lot of restaurants just to pop in and get something out here. And, uh, and they, they go to Jesus and, and say, uh, we should send the people on their way so that they can eat. And, um, and Jesus says, well, well, what do we have? And they find somebody there that had the um, Long John Silver's value meal. And, um, and Jesus says, well, just, just bring it here. And, um, and you can imagine, put yourself in the, in, the, in the shoes of the disciples for a minute, where they're looking at Jesus, and they're, they're expecting Jesus to somehow multiply this, right? They, they've been there. They've seen Jesus do miracles. They've seen healings, I mean, with their own eyes, standing there right in front of them, have seen the scales and the sores just fall off people, you know. They've seen some miraculous things. And so there's an expectation that Jesus is going to somehow multiply this. But if you read the text, Jesus takes it and he breaks it and he hands it back to him. And the text is not real specific about where the multiplication happens. But he, he gives it back to them, and he says, feed the people. And I don't know, I don't know if, if they had baskets, if it was on a plate, how they distributed it. But somewhere along the way, you know, they, they went to the first people. <laughs> and I can imagine them going, just, you know, just, just take a pinch. Just a little bit. This has got to go a long way, right? Um, and they, they get down to the, the end of the row where they get through those first 50 people, and they look in their basket, and they're like, we still have, right? We still have some. And I can imagine as they went, how their faith must have grown that day. As they saw it go further and further and further, and how... It couldn't have been long into it, right? That they were joyfully running from group to group to group as they saw it multiply in front of them. 
Um, but that's just the way God blesses it. And then what does it say at the end of that, right? They had some left over, 12 baskets they gathered up, right? And so, so I can imagine they went back to the person that brought the happy meal and go, uh, did you bring a wagon, right? Because <laughs> we're going to send you home with this. But, but that's what God does. He, he takes, he takes what, what we can give, what our giving is. He takes our generosity, and, and he multiplies that. And I would say that sometimes it doesn't multiply in our hands. I think God looks after us and watches after us and takes care of us. But I believe when we give that, that $20 or whatever, when we sow our seed into whatever that ministry is, I believe God blesses that ministry. I believe that $20 goes further than $20 should go for whatever that ministry is that we're blessing. So God multiplies what was given to not only meet the need, but an abundant overflow remain. Verse 9 says, As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor, and their good deeds will be remembered forever. So there is a legacy there, especially when it comes to the poor, that, that you're going to have the opportunity to pour into someone's life when they really need it, and they're going to remember that for a long, long time. Because they're going to be able to look back in their life and, and say, you know what, when I really needed it, these people were there. When I really needed it, they stepped up and they gave, and they sacrificed that I could get through that, that rough patch, right? And that I'm going to remember that for a long, long time. Verse 10. For God is one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. Now, this one I had to think about a little bit because, because I find it interesting that he provides the seed and then he says the bread. Now, what happens between providing the seed and, and the bread? Well, that, that's where it multiplies, right? The seed goes in the ground and is multiplied. And so he provides... Uh, the seed for the farmer, so he puts the seed, he puts the potential in our hands, right? If we're all farmers in this case, he puts the potential in our hands. If we never plant the seed, it never has a chance to multiply. But if we will take that seed and we will plant that and we will let it grow and multiply and we'll be faithful to harvest that, then the Lord will make sure that that turns into, into a fruitful season. It turns into that bread. And it says, in the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Verse 11 says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. God is looking for generous people that he can bless in every way so that he can multiply that generosity, so that he can grow that generosity. And when, you, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Okay? That, that's what he's after. That's what he's after. He wants to give resources and, and time and, and, and possessions and all these things to people that, that he can get it to that can turn around and use that for his glory. Okay, do you see that? He says, and when we take your gifts, those are gifts that he gave to you, excuse me, to those who need them, they'll thank God. 
right? They're not thanking you, they're thanking God. Now, practically, how does that happen? Practically, right, you and I are gonna go to someone and go, the Lord has blessed me with this, and I'd like you to have it. And when they say, oh, thank you so much, you go, don't thank me, thank God. Right? Because I, I know where it came from. I, I know who provided it. And I, he, he put it in my hands. I'm just the, the delivery guy. Right? Don't thank me. I didn't make the pizza. The people at the back of the store did. Right? I'm just the delivery guy. All right, verse 12. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. And this is also in the, the next blank down there. Um, two things happen from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So two things happen when you give. The need is met, and God is glorified. So God doesn't need another warehouse. He doesn't need another place to store his blessings. He's looking not for a warehouse, but he's looking for a distribution center. Pastor Kevin used to say it this way. God wants to get to you what he can get through you. And if he can't get it through you to where he really wants that blessing to flow, then he won't get it to you. And that ought to remind you of the parable of the talents. All right, y'all remember the parable of the talents? Master's going away, and he gives, uh, he gives one uh, of the servants uh, one talent. He gives one three talents, and he gives one ten. The one with ten takes it, goes out and invests it. The master comes home, and he says, sir, I invested it. It's multiplied. It's now 20. The one with three takes it out and, and comes back, and he has six. Well, the one with one was concerned about losing it, so he takes it and buries it. The master comes back. He brings that one back, and the master's disappointed. Because rather than taking that talent, taking that and putting it in a bank, uh, doing something with it that it would grow, instead the servant has just held on to it. And the master is disappointed. So what does he do? He takes it away from that one and gives it to one of the others. One of these others that, that will invest it, that will make it grow, that will put it to work. And so it's the same principle here with, with our giving, our generosity. God is looking to get through us. He's not looking for you to hold it. And mind you, when he can get it through us and when we can get that heart of generosity, his promise is that he will take care of us, he will bless us in every way and have abundance left over. But in that process, we'll have a ministry of giving where other people, the people that are the, the target of, of the giving, who, who are at the end of that distribution, are going to receive that blessing and that we'll be able to glorify God through that. Okay, so the parable of the talents, what does it really say? The ones that had the three and that had the, the ten talents have a kingdom mentality, right? The one that had one had a poverty mentality. And what do I mean by that? I mean that he was so afraid of losing that one, that, and he held on to it so tightly that he didn't do anything with it. No good came of that one talent, right? He was so afraid of losing it. The other one said, you know what, my master has more of this. And even if this doesn't go well, even if I risk it and I, and I give it away and it doesn't turn into fruit, it doesn't prosper, it doesn't multiply in the way I think it should, 
their master would be happy that I at least tried to do something with it. All right? So uh, the kingdom mentality says that God will supply all of my needs so I can freely give. Right? If I'm, if I'm worried that my needs are not going to be met, then I have this, this poverty mentality where I need to hang on to, right, and try to preserve everything. If I've got a kingdom mentality, then I can say, you know what, the Lord's got a cattle on a thousand hills, right? And I can, I can extend my faith and say, you know what, this is, is meaningful to me, but I'm going to be generous and I'm going to give. And then watch the Lord um, bless that giving and multiply. Proverbs 11, uh, verses 24 and 25. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Verse 25, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And again, it's the whole idea of this sowing and reaping. What you sow gets multiplied and then the harvest comes, right? And the harvest is greater than the seed. Okay. All right. How am I doing on time? Six thirty. All right. Um, so that that's what I had kind of for the generosity portion. Now, I didn't want to touch on the tithe and the offering because that, uh, again, money is one of those things that people get uncomfortable with, especially at the church, right? And we we've all heard. If you've not heard people joke, then you've probably heard people say it. Um, something will be said about the offering, about giving, that kind of stuff, and people, oh, they're just after your money, right? And, um, and you know what? It, the, it, it takes money to do ministry, right? Um, somebody's got to pay the light bill. Somebody's got to keep the heat on, um, unless y'all want to turn it off and sit in the dark, you know, which we can do, and we can still praise the Lord that way, right? If we want to get rid of all the amplifiers and the speakers, and, and get rid of the comfortable chairs, and we'll just, you know, find some stumps on a log to sit on or whatever. Yeah, we can do that, right? But otherwise, right, all of this, there's an expense to all of this. And what we have to be careful of is to not make the building the reason we're coming, not make the, the building the end-all, be-all, right? If we have this, this champagne taste, and we have the, the nicest uh, furnishings, and, 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 you know, little beautiful glass um, uh, or, or crystal-like uh, communion cups or something, that's all great and looks great, but if the Lord's not in it, then we're all doing it for show, okay? There's nothing wrong with being comfortable. It's nothing wrong with having nice things either in the church or at home, but if that becomes, if your valuables become your value, then something's probably wrong, Okay? And that, that's getting into more of that materialism, right? Um, you can think about the, the golden calf and that kind of thing, right? It was a, something beautiful to look at, but it didn't, didn't have any value, really. Um, so so we, there's nothing wrong with, with having a nice church and having a beautiful building and having all the nice furnishings and stuff. As long as God is in it, people are growing, people are uh, experiencing his, his presence and those kind of things, great. But we can have the nicest building ever and God not be in it. There's probably no shortage of examples of that. So, all that aside, tithe and offering. Now, the tithe um, is 10%, okay? The tithe literally means a tenth or one-tenth. 
Um, now, there is a, a principle in the Bible. Well, let me back up. So an offering would be above that tenth. Now, it's not even that simple. i got to be careful here. Let me go back to the tithe and explain the tithe a little bit more. So the tithe being a tenth, and this is, this is all new revelation to me this week, actually. Um, and maybe some of it I heard before and I've just forgotten. <coughs> Excuse me. But the number 10 in Scripture is, um, well, let me back up. Numbers in general, a lot of them have meaning, right? Like, like eight, I think we talked about earlier this year, is, is the number of new beginnings, right? Seven concludes the week. It, it means like full cycle, you're all the way through, and eight is the new beginning, right? And with a new beginning comes new blessing, right? New opportunity. So uh, 40 is another one that has a lot of, of meaning, right? Um, Jesus was tested 40 days in the wilderness. There was 40 days between crossing the... the um, uh, Red Sea in the time that, that the Israelites received the Ten Commandments. Um, there's themes that run through the Bible um, with certain numbers. Well, the number 10 is synonymous with testing. Okay, the number 10 is synonymous with testing. In Egypt, there was 10 plagues. Okay? Um, and there's a few other examples that I can't remember right now, and I don't have in my notes. But 10 is synonymous with testing. So there is a scripture, and this is the, the only time in scripture where God says that you can test him. And this is in Malachi 3, um, and it's verses, uh, looks like 8, 9, and 10. And the prophet says, uh, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In the tithes and offering. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me on this, says the Lord. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that, you will, that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. So I believe this is the only time in Scripture where God says, test me. And I feel like, um, I feel like he's going, I dare you, is what I feel like. That's how, that's how it strikes me. It's like, oh, I dare you. I dare you to try this. I, I dare you to put in that, that tithe. Now, um, people like to, to question the tithe and say, oh, that's under the law. We don't have the, the law anymore. We're under grace, and we don't have to pay the tithe and blah, blah, blah. Well, let me, let me just clarify that right now. The tithe predates the law. Um, and there's this, this interesting encounter with Abraham, actually Abram, even before he got his name changed. Um, and it's back in Genesis, I thought I wrote it down, maybe I didn't. Um, it's either Genesis 13 or 14. That, that's how early the tithe is in the Bible. Um, and there's this interesting encounter with Abram and uh, this priest of, help me, Brittany. One of them, yeah, that guy. Melchizedek? Okay, we'll go with that. Where, where this priest that Abram calls, literally he calls him this name, he says, um, this priest Melchizedek, the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. That's what Abraham calls this fellow. All right? After 
Abram was victorious and he felt like the hand of God was on him, he gave this, this priest, that guy, that guy, he gave him a tithe. He gave him a tenth. So it goes way on back to Abraham. The father of the Israelites goes way on back to him. So the tithe started way back then. Now, there's another nuance to the tithe that I think is important. And that, and that is that the tithe really represents or should represent the first fruit. Okay? And the, the first fruit goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. Genesis 4. And if you look at Genesis 4, Cain actually in the, in the scripture brings the first offering. And if you look at it, it says he brought an, an offering of, of some of the grain from the field. And then it says, and then Abel brought the firstborn and the best of his uh, flock. Now, the difference there is subtle, but if you look at the difference between what Cain brought and what Abel brought, Abel's offering was accepted, Cain's was not. Now, why wasn't Cain's accepted? Well, the difference was, is that Abel brought the best and the first. Cain just brought whatever was convenient. Okay? So there, there's a principle here, and it's that first fruit, fruit principle that we talked about so many weeks ago, that, that God wants to be first. He wants to be first in your life. He wants every decision and every action you take to go through the filter of, God, is this what I should be doing? God, I need to make you first. I, I don't want to do anything without you. God wants to be first. And so it's the same principle here of Cain and Abel in that that tithe offering ought to be first. When the Lord blesses you with, with health and wellness and prosperity, and you get the opportunity to, to bring that tenth, that first fruit of that season of prosperity, and put it back in the storehouse, it ought to be the first and it ought to be the best. Right? And nowadays, you know, money is kind of ubiquitous. Money is simply a tool. It's simply got a value, whatever, right? But, but we can put God first when, when we get paid, right? And sometimes that can be a little challenging with automatic withdrawals and that kind of stuff, right? But I think it's a matter of the heart. I think when, when you think about getting paid and you think about that next check coming in, right, then you ought to be thinking about, I need to get that into the storehouse. It ought to be on your mind. If it's something that you can approach casual, you know, that you can go, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. It's probably not holding that right, proper place in your heart. Okay? So the tithe is, is, is a 10%, but it should also be the first. And so just like we see Abram here, who's giving a tenth to Melchizedek, um, after this victory in battle that they had, he gave the first uh, spoils, if you will, of war to Melchizedek who again, he calls Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. Now, if you look at it, Melchizedek only appears twice in Scripture. And, um, and it's kind of interesting because he is both a, he's called both a priest and a king. And in the, the Old Testament, anyways, you never saw someone who is both a priest and a king. Okay? Um, they were one or the other, but never both. Even David, you know, the man after God's own heart, he was a king, he wasn't a priest, okay? The only person in the New Testament who is both a priest and a king is Jesus. And so there, while it's not stated in Scripture, there is much uh, theorizing that, that Melchizedek may have been Jesus. 
And again, I don't know if they'll be able, ever able to prove that while we're on the earth, but just the way it's described here in, in the description of Melchizedek, he had no lineage, he had no history. He literally comes out of nowhere, interacts with Abram, and disappears into nowhere. And yet he was important enough to, to be mentioned in Scripture. He was important enough that Abram gave him a tenth. It's important enough that he called him Lord God Most High, the Possessor of Heaven. Very, very interesting thing. All right. So the tithe represent the, not only the tenth, but really should represent that first tenth of all we have. And again, 10 is synonymous with testing. God says, test me in this. Try me in this. And I can tell you personally, I know for us, um, it was difficult to start, but I think once we got started, um, it, it got easier for us, and we saw blessings come. Now, obviously, we're in a much different place now, and that's much easier now than it was when we were, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, you know, making minimum wage and, and trying to figure out, you know, how to make the house payment that looks more like, you know, the utility bills nowadays. Um, it was a challenge when we, were, when we were that age and in that position, right? And, and I don't want to take that away from anyone because everyone wants to be responsible and pay their bills. But again, I think the principle here and what the text says is try me. Try me. Take that leap of faith. Put that, put that 10% in my hand and watch what I can do with the rest. And see if you don't put that seed in the ground and see if it doesn't multiply. So God loves a generous giver. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Will, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.